Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney from How They Love Mary. And if you are looking for a great gift for confirmation or First Communion, might I recommend to you Sock Religious? I know someone that recently got confirmed. They chose St. Joseph as their confirmation saint. And I bought them a pair of St. Joseph socks from Sock Religious. They make the perfect gift. They are a fun gift and a gift that they will wear and hopefully they'll wear them to church. If you want more information about Sock Religious, Find the link in the show notes and help to support the show, How They Love Mary. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. For those of you who watch me on Facebook Live and different events that I do there, you may remember a few weeks ago, I did an episode of Father Edward Opens the Mail. And in that episode, I featured the book Surrender All, an illuminated journal retreat through the Stations of the Cross by Jen Norton. Today, I'm happy to be joined with Jen Norton, who's going to be speaking to us a little bit about this journal through the Stations of the Cross and kind of her inspiration behind it. Jen Norton is an award-winning painter whose work has appeared on the cover of books, including Word by Word and the Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion. She also has illustrated several books for Grace Watch Media and Our Sunday Visitor, and now her artwork graces the pages of Surrender All from Ave Maria Press. So happy to be speaking with you today, Jen. So welcome to How They Love Mary. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I know you've been making the media circuit. That happens when you write a book. Uh, having written a few mm -hmm. books myself and having a Lenten book, I've done a few interviews myself this time around uh, and then releasing a new book at the same time. It's uh, a, a lot. And so I uh, appreciate you joining me today. And I've had the opportunity, actually, to listen to a few of your interviews on different platforms uh, through Ave Maria Press's podcast with Katie Prejean McGrady and uh, a few other appearances mm -hmm. that you made. So uh, familiar with your work. I've gone through it a little bit, just paging through it. I'm actually hoping to take a personal day, kind of a retreat day myself, to go to a prayerful place and simply to journal and read through this book, to pray through the stations and reflect on them. And I guess maybe to start out, what was your inspiration behind this? So why do a journal for the Stations of the Cross, why illuminate them, uh, as you say in this book, Surrender All? Yeah, well, it. I didn't start out thinking about a book at all, because I'm more of a painter than a writer uh, in my profession. So I started probably two and a half, three years ago at the most, um, just, just wanting to do the Stations of the Cross as an artistic series. And, you know, as an artist, when you work in a series, after about the third painting, you usually get kind of bored and like, oh, God, maybe I should give this up. And, and it, you have to push forward. And so I knew that it would give me the... Uh, um, ability to go a little bit deeper into the stories and you know not just be like something you sit through on good friday or <laughs> whatever in church and so i just that's why it took me about a year to get through the series because i do have to push you know you get distracted with other um more colorful projects that are coming along and so so i just wanted to create artwork for the stations and a lot of my work can be very kind of illustrative and have decorative elements to it and in this one i really wanted to be a little bit more abstract and a little bit more expressive with my 
uh, brushwork, a little bit looser, um, and just look into the emotion that happens in the story at each station, like what's going on, not just visually what you see, which is what we all sort of stop at just in life, but what might be going on, you know, under the scenes and in the interactions, why are these stations chosen? You know, why is Simeon chosen or sorry, Simon, (laughs) I have a friend named Simeon. Why is Simon chosen from the crowd and why did that make it into the, the line above stations? You know, what's important there. And so, um, just give me a time to to reflect on the art because that art is is really one of my forms of prayer and it's one of the ways I can sort of connect to stories and emotions is through sitting with these things while I'm making art and you know when when you're moving your hands sometimes you're thinking less and that's always a good thing because it's it's uh, I can I can tend to overthink so anyway so I did, had done the art first and then um, I do you know I go out and do different Catholic trade shows and I was at uh, the LA Congress show which just ended virtually online this year I'm not even sure who I talked to I talked to somebody about you know it'd be great to do something with these stations because I was exhibiting the, the artwork there and had it poster form and stuff and you know make some kind of a journal out of them something where that would allow other people to go deeper with it and you know nine or ten months later I got a call from an editor so <laughs> And and by the time I did, Ave Maria had their ideas about what they wanted to do with it. That, that was pretty comprehensive, I guess. I, I'm coming at this from outside the publishing realm, so I had no idea that it's not typical to have a full-color art book. And, and, you know, they asked me to do additional painted verses for it and then to write for it and, and just the whole comp- the whole gamut of things that's in this book um isn't that usual so so anyway i was i'm becoming more and more honored every day as i do more interviews and realize (laughs) that it's a different animal um but it really started with the art more than the book and then just it just materialized because you know the spirit does that sometimes you said something quite profound and that was about how art for you can be a form of prayer. And, you know, in the Mm -hmm. classical style of iconography, so these little images, holy images that people will, they call it writing an icon instead of painting an icon, but they really view that as a form of prayer. And so as you do your style of artwork, it's a form of prayer. And maybe that's how some people, you know, are able to pray. Maybe some of the listeners are individuals who pray in this Mm -hmm. fashion. You know, another thing too Um, when it comes to art is that there are many different styles of art, of course. And so you're probably Mm -hmm. um, more of a contemporary artist. Uh, I'm not sure kind of what Mm -hmm. genre you would classify it as, but uh, can you maybe... (laughs) Neither am I. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can you speak just a little bit to the different uh, styles of art and maybe how your art differs from maybe what some people have kind of as their their Mm -hmm. perception of art, I guess? Yeah, well, gosh, gosh, people's perception of art, I don't even know how to address that. And it's been over 30 years since I actually studied art history, but I'll do my best. Um, You know, uh, let's just speak about the religious art, I guess, maybe is where we should start, because that's what we're doing now. Although I've done many other things. I've done secular work, and I was a graphic designer for a long time in the high-tech field. So I have, you know, a lot of influences. And so I stepped into religious art really by accident. Accident. It was really just things in my life that led me to desperate prayer that led me to call out to Mary and get a response. And then it just hyper-focused everything into the art world. But I didn't come into it, you know, trying to create like old masters, which, you know, if you think about Catholic art, it's typically Renaissance type work. I mean, there's certainly many contemporary artists, but 
but that's kind of what you think about what's in you know things you would see in europe and and they're not always brought into people's homes in america because it doesn't fit our decor and and i'm approaching it just differently because i come out of graphic design i come out of more of a secular side i didn't go to catholic school i am catholic but i didn't other than college i didn't go to like catholic grade school so i don't have it i didn't have a favorite saint I, i didn't know even within my own faith some of the things that that come with that and so um and i didn't have any preconceived notions about what kind of art i should make um i just started making things that i like which tend to be very colorful you know i grew up in the desert and a lot of probably hispanic colors and music and things as part of my um, upbringing and and i just painted i don't know i just painted the things that made sense to me and put them out there without any understanding of what would happen to them and i think that's why they stand out because i I'm not painting in the, what I would maybe now think of like, oh, this is what is expected of me. So you can like it or not like it. I mean, people certainly relate to art in different ways, but um, yeah, so I, I, mine's more illustrative and and more expressive. And, um, and I think it speaks, you know, art will find its audience because there's certainly people who, people who would gravitate more towards say photography because they love, the capture of light and they love the exactness maybe of seeing what an image is. And there's people that are going to gravitate more towards very realistic work um, because it, it moves them in some way. And for me, even when I go visit museums and in Europe and things, I can appreciate the skill, but I'm not always moved emotionally the way other people are. I'm much more moved emotionally through abstract art. And I don't know, some of the, you know, the most realistic I get is probably the expressionist, which, you know, we're starting to dabble out of realism and into color because I'm just moved by color and I move by layers and I move by textures. And those are the things that I'm gravitate to. So I make art that um, speaks to my heart. And then there's other people out there that maybe speak the same language of art that I do, because it is a language that gravitate to my art and really appreciate it. And there's other people that speak a different language, like I said, to something more realistic or whatever that aren't going to gravitate to my art because their language is different. So I'm not sure if I answered your original question. But, yeah, um, no, it yeah. was a beautiful explanation of kind of how you approach your own drawings and your art and how you portray the Stations of the Cross in this book. And one of the things that you know you just said uh, a little while ago was that you turned to art as a form of expression of prayer, and you did so crying out to Mary in a time of need or desperation. So mm-hmm. how fitting it is, you know, in the Stations of the Cross, in the fourth station, we have Jesus meets his mother. And that's the very image mm-hmm. on the front of the book. And then you go to Station 4, and you look look at it and there you see it uh full expression there jesus kind of on the on the uh breast of mary there uh, the embrace that they have and you even show the immaculate heart there so a beautiful image mm-hmm. there calling to mind the prophecy of simeon who says mm-hmm. that um that uh that a sword of sorrow will pierce her heart so here she is in that sorrowful moment and then when you turn the page and you look at the scripture reading, because that's the format, is that there's a scripture reading. The scripture isn't anything, you know, kind of the sorrow, but it's a, a, it's Mary's song of praise. It's her Magnificat. And, you know, it's kind of a, a brilliant thing to include there, because here Mary is meeting her son, Jesus, who's about to die on the cross. And here we are invited to reflect on the fact, well, can Mary praise God in this moment of suffering? 
Can Mary praise uh-huh. God because he's going to fulfill what he has promised? Can Mary praise God uh, because salvation is going to be one for God's people uh, on this Good Friday? And so that's something, you know, you draw out there uh, in that little scripture passage. And then, you know, this is what people can expect to find. They, they find a moment to reflect. So there you have kind of a reflection based upon uh, that encounter with Mary and his mother. And then you have this, my creative illuminations. And so could you maybe just describe what's going on in the, my creative illuminations uh, in each of these uh, journeys? Yeah. So I'm looking at my book now just to make sure I'm looking at the same thing you are. <laughs> um so the illuminations are really just a way to take it deeper. You know, like you said, I've got the art and then I've got a painted verse relating to the art. And then I've got a gospel or a a scriptural verse that I've chosen. And then I've got my reflection, which comes out of just my prayer life. And then I have these illuminations and they're really just actions um, so that you can take it your direction. I find when I do, you know, when I think about scripture or read the Bible, that there's just always so many angles. If you let your mind expand that you can approach things and see things and notice things that you didn't notice before and so the purpose of these is just to maybe facilitate that um in your own life so um like for example the in the station that we are um talking about where mary where jesus and mary meet on page 38 well the first prompt says um surrender the vision of motherhood the word mother is not only a noun but a verb all women are called to mother in some way whom and how have I been called or have I witnessed the call to mother? And, you know, in my own life, I just think about not only my own daughter, but her friends have come through our house. Many of them who've had very broken homes, you know, and, and maybe needed a mother at certain times in their life. And um, the ways that we can care for creation is mothering, you know, and, and the whole mothering call, it just it doesn't get the respect that it deserves in the, in the bigger world, as we all know. Um, and so just, you know, in your own life, like how, and you could be a man too, you know, how have you called to mother someone? Well, how is that different than fathering? What, uh, what things are you called to do in a mothering situation? And so I, I, my hope is that somebody will take these and not just read them and go, you know, think of the top five things that come to mind or top one thing, but think about those maybe for a day or two and, and how is it and notice how you might mother and notice how you could mother better so that we can all learn to care for each other better. So they're just ways to sort of deepen your um, walk through the through the stations, you know, because these stations are, okay, they happened 2,000 years ago, and they're recorded and great, but what do they mean today? Because really, we all continuously walk the stations through life the whole time we're here. I think we just keep walking them until, until we finally get to that last um, point of death, you know. Until and, we're and laid in the tomb ways. and have that resurrection moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even in small ways, because we have to, we have to say give away things or, you know, say, give away money. There's a good one. No one likes to give away money. But yeah, when you let go of something to benefit someone else, that's a small death, right? You, you choose to make that death for a greater good. And so we do that in ways, or we can choose to do that ways all through our life here on earth um, before we ever get to the grave. So I just think they're relevant. I mean, that's what came out of um, my end result of doing all these was how relevant they really are every day of life that we're here on earth. Yeah. 
One of the things you mentioned is that, you know, to reflect on these things, and you were hoping maybe people would do that for a few days, you know, to think about that question, to to allow it to really come back to your mind again and again, and to, to go deeper with it in your own mind, in your own prayer, in your own reflection. Now, this is a journal, so there is actual space mm-hmm. where you could write down what you're thinking, right. what you're feeling, and, and there's something of value there to write down your emotions. Right. I think, you know, what would be a great thing? Buy two copies of this book, use one this year, and then go next year, use the second one, and then see how your answers changed in one year. That's one way that I think that you could really engage this journaling aspect in going through the stations of the cross. So it is meant uh, to be a journal. And I guess my question here is, how do you envision people using this? So of course, there's 14, there's 15 stations, including the resurrection. So do you Mm -hmm. recommend people to take one station a day and use it? Do you recommend someone to sit down for an hour or two, maybe go to a holy hour of adoration and see how far they make it through and reading and journaling? What's your advice or what's the ideal way that you think people could engage the text? Hmm. Well, I'm not sure if there's an ideal way. I think there's multiple ways. And in fact, I think we even mentioned it at the beginning of the book somewhere. (laughs) Um, You know, my mother-in-law takes it into church with her. And so while she's waiting for church, she'll sit and read some of it and think about one of the questions and then and write in it. And she just does that every, she's been doing that every day through Lent. So however long it lasts her, that's one way to do it. And, and certainly now in the time of, you know, social distancing, reading this on your own is, is probably the way most people will do it. So what, in the course of your own day of prayer, um, you use it like you would use any other scriptural book to enhance your understanding of the stations. Um, if you are able to meet in groups or maybe Zoom groups, it's def- definitely a tool that can be used um, within groups to discuss. Like you, instead of doing the prompts on your own, you might have running, kind of running, it's all been pre-recorded, but um, a retreat through the Mercy Centers of North America right, right now. And, and we're doing an, an art project behind the scenes, and then there's some reflection that the director of the the um, Institute is doing based on this book. And it's kind of that, like everyone is across America who's joined is doing it in their own space, but then there's these Zoom meetups where you can discuss things um, about it. So that's another way to do it. And then you could even take it, I think, as a family and maybe go through it in Holy Week and maybe more a quicker speed, but kind of talk over some of the theme- themes as you're in Holy Week and present to them and in their present in church you know so kids and certainly older kids um well any kids because you can you can take the language down um so they have a deeper understanding of what's going on say when they go to see the stations of the cross or watch them on the computer i mean it's, it's a good probably a good year for it to come out because so much is on the computer and that can make things a little bit more remote um you know it has it accesses more people but it maybe isn't as feels as intimate as when you're actually in a church or something. So this is a good way to maybe enhance that even within a family. Definitely. And one of the things you mentioned was to understand. And when you look at your images, the artwork, the pieces that you've done, in the very beginning on page X or or 10 of the preface, you actually tell people how to read these images. So it's not that you just put color to a page, it's everything you did had meaning. So, you know, mm. when when you see red, you say it indicates points of pain. And so the mm. the and 
looking even at the front cover. Well, there's the heart of Mary. It's red. Well, that's the sorrow of her heart. That's the pain of her mothering heart to see her son, Jesus. You know, you use blue. Blue represents the presence of God, Jesus's breath and life force. So everything isn't just coincidental. Everything has meaning. And so when you look at these images, Mm -hmm. you're going to notice those things and you're going to be like, well, what does this mean? And so go to that guide and figure it out so that you can better understand uh, these images. And as you understand it, well, then it's probably going to resonate with your heart, with your mind and with your soul. Uh, So it's very Mm -hmm. deep uh, what you're offering to those who make their way through the stations of the cross through surrender all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything has meaning. I, I think again in our lives, everything has meaning, whether we're aware of it or not. You know, we we act on our, we we often act on our deepest pains as we go through life, and that de- determines how we treat people and what we do and what we're capable of. And so, if you're kind of aware of what those pains are, and you're open to allowing Jesus to transform them, you can come out with um, a mission in life that not only heals you, but heals other people that are suffering the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I put them in the art purposefully, but I, I think in life they're there. They're there. We just, we just have, to have to kind of wake up and notice them. And how about the book title, Surrender All? Now, as an author myself, I know that the titles that I often give to things are not the titles that end up on the cover, but what's the significance mm-hmm. of going through the Stations of the Cross and surrendering all? So that's the goal, right? Yeah. As we walk the Stations right. of the Cross to give up all of our burdens, all of our sins, to surrender it all to the mercy of Jesus. Is that kind of what you're yeah. getting at, or is there a deeper meaning even to the surrender all? Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, and we looked at different, this was my t- my idea for a title, and then Ave had they were concerned about it. Maybe it should be one word or something. So I offered a, I don't know, 20 or 30 other options. And we still ended up with this one. <laughs> and I think that's what I was thinking is what does it mean to be willing to give up everything? You know, as we see martyrs in the Middle East and we see, you know, um, the black bodies being hurt in this country and, and abroad. And what does it mean to get to be able to be strong enough to give up everything, give up your very life for the sake of, bettering humanity and that's surrender all and you know as a mom i have to tell you as i wrote this book because i wrote most of it in the fall of 2019 just the way the you know chronological timeline of books goes before the pandemic hit and then i added a little bit i came back and read it after we were all quarantined to see if it still stood which it did but (laughs) i I just kept thinking like well what am i going to be asked to surrender you know because i believe in this and i wrote about it and i think about it and i pray about it but at the same time do I really want to surrender all? You know, not really. Does any of us? <laughs> I don't want to give up my home. I don't want my something to happen to my child. I don't want, you know, or my husband or, you know, just I don't really want to surrender all. And so coming to terms with that reality, that that fragility of, of you know, yeah, if it came down to it, I think I'm strong enough now I would. But that doesn't mean I want to, you know. And so what does that mean? Is that... What do those feelings mean? I'm still thinking about that. I don't have an answer for that one, but um, but that's kind of what was going through my mind as I was writing this. And you know, again, Mary on the cover, surrender all. 
And I often point this out as a Marian theologian when I give some of my talks, is that, you know, when Mary said yes at the Annunciation, when she said, let it be done to me according to your word, she didn't know what that yes was going to mean for the rest of her life. She didn't know right. that that yes would mean she'd go into Egypt. She didn't know that yes would take her to stand beneath the foot of the cross and watch her son die the death of a common criminal. She didn't know. And so that moment for her at the Annunciation was her moment of surrendering all and saying, Lord, I want what you want for my life. I give it all to you, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to guide me in all of these things. And and Mary is the perfect example. And so for her to be on the cover, for her to be a, a, a bystander of the Stations of the Cross, to be a figure in one of the stations, to be there as Jesus is taken down from the cross, it's quite significant significant because mm -hmm. she is the one who surrenders all. So what a beautiful book. Right. And, you know, what I can offer to those who are listening uh, for a limited time through the first week of March, if you buy Surrender All from Ave Maria Press and use code FRLOONEY, L-O-O-N-E-Y, you will get a little discount when you buy directly from Ave Maria Press. And uh, so use my name, Fr Looney and you will receive a little discount when you purchase Surrender All by Jen Norton, an illuminated journal retreat through the Stations of the Cross. One of the things, Jen, I always do before I end our show is simply just to talk a little bit about your own Marian devotion, and uh, I do so with a few just basic questions about the Blessed Mother. So the, the first mm -hmm. one is simply... You know, is there a title of Mary? So she's a woman of many names. Is there a title of hers that kind of resonates with you? Maybe one that you use more often if you call out to Mary in prayer? Gosh, I don't know. I think I just say Mary. I mean, I guess Mother of God, you know, because I think when I think of her, um, I think because I mean, being a mother, I, I think of her wanting to introduce us to her son. That's That's her whole purpose it's not that she can do anything specific um because of her own power but that she's always turning our head towards her son you know get to know him and so i i guess mother of god um would be the one that i would stick with are there any marian sacramentals that you make use of in your life or any that you treasure maybe there's one that was a gift or a memento of a loved one who's died any marian sacramental that's significant to you um, well, the, I mean, I say the rosary every day when I get up, it's in you know, the rosary and coffee. That's, <laughs> I look forward to that. And, um, the, the rosary I'm using right now, and I'm not sure if I'm answering the sacramental question, right, but the rosary I'm using right now, um, in the summer of 2019, we went to Spain. My daughter was doing a, an internship in, um, uh, Barcelona working with some disabled people. And so we went out there and my husband and I had been out in 95 and the Sagrada Familia was, I think you could go into the underground chapel, but there was no roof on the thing. We couldn't go inside it. So I wanted to go revisit that. And so we went and revisited that um, cathedral, which is, you know, again, as a modern artist, I just loved it. There's the color streaming in and the meaning. If anybody ever, I think you could follow them on Instagram and, and see it. But if you ever get a chance to stand in there, it's pretty amazing. And um, anyway, I bought a rosary when I was there. And I, I specifically wanted to buy a rosary because my last one was thanks to praying for my daughter was so beaten up and broken <laughs> i needed to get one anyway and so i i just think about that and um on that particular rosary if you've ever been to that cathedral the 
I can't remember what it's called, Baldacci or whatever, that when Christ is hanging on the cross over the altar, the format of Christ is almost in a kneeling position. It's like he's sagging on the cross and his knees are bent. And so the the um, rosary has that Christ. And I just think, boy, that's that's a surrender all image, you know, that he's he's not upright and against the wood, which is generally how he's sculpted. He's much more realistically hanging. And there's just, you know, you can imagine the weight. Um, pulling on his his hands and his feet and just that loss of complete loss of energy so that's the rosary i use every day um yeah other than that i mean i i read i I definitely read books and different things i just they don't really stick in my head forever so i can't answer beyond that sure now um when it comes to mary there's lots of different prayers to mary is there a prayer you know sometimes people pray the memorari the holy queen the hail mary um, any mm-hmm. prayer to Mary that kind of is your go-to Marian prayer? Well, I probably say a lot of Hail Mary, so that's be the most go-to one. Um, and I do, I've ha- I've learned to really appreciate the Hail Holy Queen, um, just the just the deeper meanings as you're going through and thinking about. You know, as a younger person, you think, well, you know, you talk about crying out from the Hail Holy Queen, Mother Mercy. And I, I have to say the word in my head, but anyway, crying out in desperation to marry and you're like, well, my life isn't that bad, you know, (laughs) but as you get older and you just live more life and you worry more about other people and you just see what, how twisted the world can be and how dangerous of a place it can be. And so just being able to call out for that protection and then trust, you know, there's a couple of years where my word of the year was trust just because I needed to keep it, keep it in my mind to like, no, I don't have to solve and control everything. I'm going to trust. I'm going to let go. And so I kind of, become more familiar with that prayer because of that. You mentioned praying the rosary every morning when you get up. Is there a tip that helps you to pray the rosary better? You know, lots of people say it's monotonous. I don't know if I pray it. Is there a way that you can help people pray the rosary better? Well, I guess the first one, and this is goes through my whole life is like give up control of trying to do it right. So here's a backstory. Well, first of all, my mind wanders a lot. So sometimes that goes off on a tangent and I realize I've said the same decade three times and I haven't even realized it. So I don't know if that's Holy Spirit or not, but there's that. But as a child, um, I had a little bit of OCD and I was, I would say my younger faith was very driven by the rules of it. And so when I was a kid, like I'm going to say maybe 9, 10, 11 in that range, I would say the rosary every day as I went to bed now, I've not said it my whole life, like as my adult life, it got discarded for a while. But, um, And if I made a mistake on any prayer, even the last glory be, I would start all over. Like that was an OCD thing for me. Unless I would go it, wake up my mother, my poor mother who was sleeping, and say, can you say it with me? And then if we made mistakes, it was okay because she was with me. Somehow that made it okay in my childhood mind. And so I don't, I, I hadn't consciously thought about this in a long time until just now, but I think for me, it's just being okay saying it wrong. Like, the purpose isn't to rattle off the prayers. The prayers are just there to facilitate time for you to sit still and let God speak to you. You know, so you can you can be going through the prayers. You can accidentally say them three times. You can skip something. The point is you're sitting there and you're not doing your laundry and vacuuming and doing whatever else you're going to do for that amount of time. And, you know, you can you can do it in 20 minutes. It doesn't have to take three hours unless your mind wanders like mine does. <laughs> and who knows? 
Um, but it just, it's a tool. Like any other meditative bead from any other religion, it's a tool that allows you to still yourself. And because it's beads and you touch it, I think um, that helps keep you focused. Because, again, when my mind wanders, suddenly I'll realize I have a bead in my hand. It'll get me back on track. Sort of like when you're doing contemplative prayer, you have that word, right? And and I think the beads keep you um, on track with it so that you can complete it completed but they're really a tool i think i don't for me i don't think the magic is in the beat itself i think it's in the fact that you've stopped and you're using this tool in order to listen to god and and the re- repetitiveness of it helps you listen because if you've said ten thousand hail marys in your life you don't really have to think about what you're saying you know you just, you've got it memorized <laughs> and sure. so that that re that recall um can turn off that thinking part of your head and just let your heart be open for a while Mary has appeared all throughout the world. Is there a Marian apparition that you kind of are fond of, that the message speaks to you, that it resonates with you? Um, I don't know if I have one from the world itself, because I really haven't visited Marian shrines and things, although we have one very close to me here in Santa Clara. Um, you have a statue of, I believe it's the Fatima Mary, but she doesn't have that the big crown on her head. That was my father's. And somehow I inherited it through my life. And it's chipped on the bottom. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's about 18 inches tall. And I I have that. And so that's, that's what I look at because it reminds me of him because he's been gone now over 20, I don't even know, 20, 25 years. Sure. <laughs> um, oh, wow. And so, you know, I, I haven't been to Fatima myself, but I have that statue. And so that's probably the one I use in my house that I would, I'll keep forever because it belonged to him. He, I think he may have gotten it for confirmation or something. Yeah. You mentioned Santa Clara and there being a Marian shrine. I just Googled it. I was curious, must be our lady of peace church and shrine that is nearby you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Be- and I haven't actually been in that church, but if you drive down highway 101, that, that Marian statue, it's very silvery and tall. It's like three, I don't know. It's got to be like five stories tall. It's huge. You can't miss it. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Well, very good. Um, I I don't know how much you've read about the Blessed Mother, but is there a Marian book that you've read that made an impression on you? Hmm. I know I've read The Read of God, and again, I read things, and they they make an impression at the time. They don't always stick with me because I I read so much. Like I just have so much input coming to my brain. It's hard to look back and say one thing. So for me, honestly, I, I would... There's fabulous books, but I think for me, it was the prayer that led me to this whole Catholic art business I seem to be running now that I didn't even know existed. Um, And that was really praying for my daughter. She just was going through a particularly difficult time. And, you know, I would drop her off at school knowing she was going to have a horrible day. And I'd come home and just cry and be like, please help, you know, and and that, that call, that was just like a guttural mother call. It wasn't like, I was trying to have any kind of organized prayer. And then to get a response, you know, the, the the thought that kept coming to me, even in the chaos, was let it be. Not like don't do anything, but just let it be and it's going to be okay. And I just had this sense of underlying kind of river of peace that was happening, even though above that was utter chaos at times. Um, and then if anybody goes to my website and looks, I have a Hail Mary piece where she's, it's actually the one that was used on the cover of Word by Word, where she's holding up the rosary and the words, the Hail Mary are all through her body. And through that year, I was just, I kept getting that image in my head, like, this is what you need to paint, you know, and that ended up being the first piece I did that was specifically Catholic. And I tossed it in my Etsy store with everything else, landscapes and stuff, and it started selling. And that's the 
that was my first indication that there was something here I could work with as an artist, you know, trying to make a living as an artist. And um, so, I, you know, that wasn't anything conscious I did. So I really feel like that was a gift. And and Mary's, you know, um, cons- consolation to me was a gift. And there wasn't any formal particular prayer or book that led me there. It was just a desperate call and, and it was answered. So, And one last final question. When you go to Mass on a Marian feast day throughout the year, do you hope to hear a Marian song and which one? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, right now, nobody's singing in my church. So <laughs> we're all still meeting. In, in our county, we're actually still having church out, outdoors, even though the rest of California, I think, can go in. Our Santa Clara County is still has to be outdoors and nobody can sing. Um, I'm not even sure. I, I have to think about that. Sure, I, yeah, of I'm course. Really not, so I'm the- not musically inclined at all. If you can hear my voice, like, I don't don't sing. So I love music, but, oh, you know what? There's one, it's not Catholic, but I'm a huge fan of Amy Grant and the one she, the Christmas one. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, what's, oh my gosh, I'm, I can't believe I'm not even thinking of the title right Is now. Is that Breath of um, God? No. Yes, Breath of Heaven. Breath of Heaven. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That one, uh, that one's a really moving one. Well, wonderful. Well, that is your little Marian profile. I always just enjoy hearing uh, Mary's role in other people's lives. And so I thank you for sharing that. And you've mentioned so much stuff here today as we talked about your book, Surrender All, available from Ave Maria Press. And you can get a discount using the code FRLOONY on uh, the cart there at AveMariaPress.com. But you also mentioned that you have an Etsy store, you have other projects, etc. How could people learn more about you and and see some of the other stuff you've done? Yeah, so well, the best place to go is my main website, which is just Jen Norton Art Studio, all one word, dot com. And uh, if you go there, it'll link you to my Etsy shop. I have a Fine Art America shop. I have a Zazzle shop. They, do, they all work in different ways. You can click through and and um, see how they work. And I have, when I get around to them, I write some blog entries about my work. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that often right now. And what else is there? You can order the book to through, through there as well. And there's just all kinds of information. That's pretty much the main hub. It'll get That's you. the hub, and that'll take Everywhere. you where you need to go to find many other things. So mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with me, Jen. And it was a, a wonderful conversation yeah. talking about the Stations of the Cross and, and really coming to that point that we all should be able to, at some point, to say that I want to surrender all and to do so at the foot of the cross. So thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, and want to support the podcast, I encourage you to do so by becoming a member at Patreon. By supporting this podcast on Patreon, you will help to pay for the monthly fees associated with the podcast and the possibility of upgrading equipment and also putting money into advertising and promotion. If you like this podcast, I'd encourage you to share with your family and friends. And please like it and review it on Apple Podcasts. Post about this podcast on your social media. And when you're on your social media, you can follow me, Father Edward Looney, at the handle at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I can't wait to share another episode of How They Love Mary with you next time. So be sure to tune in then. Until then, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.